Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton in for Susan Littlefield today and talking the trade with us, Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, I get to talk to you most middays on the Rural Radio Network, but there we're a little more time constrained than we are here, so that's why I love getting to talk to you on the Fontenelle Final Bell. As we kick things off today, today is squaring up those positions, getting everything ready for the WASI report tomorrow. What does it tell us that the soybeans are up and corn is mixed here ahead of tomorrow's report? Well, I think it tells us, Clay, especially when we look at the spreads and the fact that the corn and the beans were more unified in their trade uh, reaction heading into the report tomorrow, that the cash market has woken up. I think that's where I'm at, and that's maybe a little bit divergent from the pre-WASD mindset. I think wheat continues to be stuck in a pre-WASD mindset, and that kind of goes back to Oftentimes, it seems to me USDA will take the wheat supply numbers up via lower demand. Um, I, I'm not looking for that this week, but and I think the trade probably is, and I think that's where you've got maybe a pre-WASD report mindset in the wheat complex. I, I think the corn and beans, however, with the cash market and the spreads coming around, I noticed especially in the soybeans you bring up the topic of how they've been able to rally so sharply even in the midst of a weakening Brazilian currency against the U.S. dollar, even in the midst of the Indonesians starting to export palm oil again, and even in the midst of some of the Chinese import data for soybeans for the month of May being down about a half a percent as far as the first five months of the calendar year. So what's giving the beans this type of rally? And I think the really the heart and soul of this market is probably the issue of the uh, supply side of the near-term cash and just not a lot of beans out there as far as uh, nearby 21, 22 beans uh, in the bin. And I say that because uh, clients in Indiana, for example, I talked to today, uh, some were $1.25 over the August contract for nearby spot beans. Uh, some uh, uh, processors and elevators had moved their bids all the way out to August already before delivery and we're at about 65 uh, over the July still, but $1.25 over the August. So bids are red hot right now, and I think it indicates to me maybe the Ukrainian situation is starting to resonate with the end user, that we're not going to get a lot of oil seeds or grains out of the Ukraine, and maybe the hotter, drier weather that's coming in on the weather models has those two things have come together and really moved the commercial, and they've maybe stepped away from a WASD mindset for a change. So keeping in that the thought in mind, then we do we do see that aggressive buying right up here on the front month of the soybeans. But what I find interesting, the story has been veggie oils. Veggie oils, whether you want to talk palm oil, soybean oil, sunflower oil, have continued to be this mainstay in this global conversation about strong demand, limited supplies. But today I'm seeing the soybean meal itself rally almost 3%. And at first maybe I thought it, that was a spread unwinding there, but then the soybean oil comes back here at the end of the day. Where did we find buyers for meal today? No, I think that's a really key point, and I think that's where it goes back to the processors for the soybeans who are crushing for typically oil or the funds that we're buying for typically the vegetable oil because of Indonesia, because of the crude oil market. Um, they're not. It doesn't seem like the trade has that type of footprint or fingerprint anymore. And I would say to add to your point, we lost that pork and bean trade. We've seen a real diversion in the price action. That's a little bit more easily explained, I think, Clay, and that's because of the weekly export sales 
We're up about 40% on the soybeans versus the four-week average. The pork exports down to almost 45% versus the four-week average. I think it goes back to the demand side of the meal and the spread unwinding of the short meal, long oil trade. But I think your point's really well taken. Is that going to be a trend, or is that just a couple days with funds jockeying and this strong basis? I think the big key to watch now as we go into June and into the July 4th holiday is the July no bean spread. It got up to around just under $2 a bushel. It's really racking up some multi-month highs at this point. If we continue to see that as July goes into the delivery contract, that could suggest that this has got some legs to it and some upside to it. And oftentimes when we talk about such aggressive bullish markets like what we're currently in, when there is these supply and demand concerns worldwide, they continue to drive this market. We then often talk about at some price we will ration demand. And we saw that start to occur in that wheat market when Egypt and some of the Middle Eastern countries really started to shift away or try to hold off as long as they could. What about here in the bean in the corn market? I know U.S. exports are all of that stellar, but that dollar index plays into that there as well. Do we need to be concerned about demand? demand rationing at these prices. I think we do because we do have a substantial supply out of South America. You know, tomorrow we're going to find out whether we still have almost a 100 million metric ton world-ending stocks number, and I think it goes back to China. I just don't buy into USDA's 99 million metric ton total soybean uh, imports uh, at this stage of the game because of their hog industry and their GDP and some of the data. I mean, the Chinese consumer sentiment hit an all-time low this month when they registered last month's data, Clay. So I think this really matters a lot. We don't know how fast demand is being rationed right now in the veg oil market, in the livestock market. I think this is why I'm such a strong advocate of a put position in the soybeans, especially at these prices. And I still want to hedge beans more aggressively than corner wheat, given not just the price, but also that demand side being so questionable. Got about 30 seconds here, Mike. Look at that wheat market. It's going to be hot and dry, it looks like, on some of these extended forecasts. I'm sure wheat harvest will quickly pick up pace. Does that have any impact to the market? I think it will, but I think what's really key is the trade, I think, got wrong once again, the Ukrainian issue, and I just don't see this corridor coming. And that means wheat, corn, and vegetable oils are not going to be coming. Sunflower seeds not going to be coming. I don't think the wheat market's really accepted that yet, and I wonder if it's because of harvest. So it's going to be an interesting 30 days here. We're talking with Mike Zuzlo, Global Commodity Analytics. Don't worry, we've still got a whole other segment where we can dive in deeper. We've got macroeconomic questions and a key player in there. How does China tie into all of this? That's going to be coming up in segment two of the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. Make sure you can always get your commentary every afternoon, once again, as a podcast at RuralRadioNetwork.com. Don't go anywhere. Fontenelle Final Bell Part 2 is coming at you very soon here on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Clay Patton again in for Susan Littlefield as we talk with Mike Zuzalo of Global Commodity Analytics. And Mike, our first portion of the discussion, really focusing on kind of the global supply-demand market as well. Tomorrow's WASDA report from USDA and its impact to the grain markets. But you really brought up a key statistic there in segment one, talking about the Chinese consumer sentiment actually dropping to one of its lowest levels here this past month. With that in mind, the Chinese government continues to practice quantitative easing or pumping money back into their economy. Meanwhile, Europe and the U.S., they're really trying to pull back on that quantitative tightening on the other end of it, raising interest rates. What does this do for the commodity space as both these uh, superpowers are doing this? 
I'm going to really oversimplify it here, Clay, but in my opinion, if you want to talk about peak inflation, you're talking about peak demand, and you're talking about supplies coming back online, I think the heart of that peak inflation mindset by investors is China. I think the heart of why the U.S. interest rates are going up so sharply and bond yields are going up so sharply up to the levels not seen since 2018, 2019. And I think that's pulling some commodity investment out of the market or keeping it on the sidelines for right now. That goes back to China as well. And so I think it is the heart and soul of why I am recommending getting some puts bought in in the soybeans and, and to a lesser degree the corn market as well if we can get back up to some higher price levels. I, I think the key right now for me is in the energy market and in the food market it really still continues to be a cost-push inflation uh, mindset that I have as far as what's generating this type of price action and this strong inflation. And there's really no end in sight in terms of the energy market seeing continued supply issues. So you can't say that there's not going to be a a point here or there is going to be a point here where you lose your inflation in the energy. Um, Freeport, you know, a massive LNG facility in Texas had a fire it's going to be down about a month. That means about a million, excuse me, a thousand tons uh, is my understanding of, of lost natural gas being shipped across into Europe. You know, it co- couldn't come at a worse time. Uh, the Iran nuclear deal is essentially dead uh, with the nuclear Iran probably going to be seen by the end of this year. Uh, these are the kind of things, these supply issues, we, don't, we aren't going to get Iran back as, as an OPEC member at this point pumping oil for the world. So to me, you can boil this back down to the food as well. Um, when you see Adobe came out with their online prices, overall it, it, it actually shrunk for the month of May, but food prices, grocery prices online were up almost 12%. Um, it's, it was the ta- top category of increases. Again, supply-led issues. And so when I look at the railroad freight numbers and crude oil movement of, of tanker cars down 15% year-to-date, all supply-related, so China really is the demand issue and the demand question mark. So there's some big concerns there and a big question mark when it comes back around there. Let's stay on that energy front as well. Yesterday we get really positive ethanol data. We kind of beat analyst estimates, jumping back well over a million barrels per day production. We slipped below 23 million barrel stocks. And this week we kind of just seem to flip-flop that back once again. Is the ethanol market anything to be excited about right now? No, I mean, I think this goes back to the actual price of the unleaded gasoline and and where you can find E15 and on up. And it's just, there's just not enough out there. I'm hearing in our local community, there may be a, a major gas station that is about 30 cents cheaper than the rest of the gas stations around. I'm guessing they're getting E15 instead of E10 at this point into the pumps. But I don't see it wide enough in the area of the United States where it really is helping, even though the unleaded minus the ethanol price is, is still very supportive of blending as much ethanol as you can. And we go over to the livestock page. Let's not overlook them as well. Finally getting a little reprieve here is that June live cattle contract is coming into expiration, this cash market, giving us a little glimpse of hope. It looks like carcass weights are continuing to diminish. We're into summer grilling season. Is this a recipe where we can help the cattle market, or is it kind of status quo? 
No, I think we can't help it. I do think the funds are underneath us and behind us, especially since we got above the 40-day moving average a couple days ago. That probably gave us buy stops, and we've got a gap above the market around 140 from late April, and I think that may be a target ultimately before the June goes off the board, Clay. Um, I think that's where the cattle probably were the most undervalued coming into this week with the cattle hog spread looking at about $25, $26. That was about a 10-month low. And I think the big thing for the, for the pork and the beef trade that we saw today, especially kind of work into the mindset of the traders, was the difference between the beef export sales and the pork export sales, especially in light from the USDA numbers that we saw there uh, yesterday with year-ago numbers, beef and veal exports up 6%, pork down 19%. It's a pretty stark contrast. Mike, as we start to round out here on the Fontenelle Final Bell, for folks that go to globalcomresearch.com, that's where they can sign up uh, and start to access your information, watch the more in-depth analysis and things you do. Is there any research projects you're working on that a potential subscriber really should be thinking about right now? Yeah, I'm really trying to look at the energy hard here, Clay, as far as that decoupled, especially from the corn market and the wheat market. It's held itself together pretty well with the soybean oil market until recently. But, I mean, when I say, you know, we are going to lose about a million tons of LNG, you would think that the sharply higher natural gas prices, we had a 12% range just today in natural gas futures, you would think that would start to play a little bit bigger role in the corn market specifically because of fertilizer. So my, my, I've always tried to say I'm trying to bridge the macro-micro gap and micro-macro divide when it comes to my research. That's what we try to do when we do our research for clients and subscribers. Mike Zuzalo, Global Commodity Analytics. And this has been the Fontenelle Final Bell. Thank you to Fontenelle Hybrids for their continuing support. Do remember, trading futures and options involve risk of loss may not be suitable for all investors. Do consider these risks before investing.